I wanted to share a little uh, little gift with you this morning that I, I got uh, when Abby and I were on our trip last week or week week and a half ago to Colorado. Uh, I shared with you a little bit about uh, our trip last week, and I want to share a little bit more today. I probably have a few few more stories I'm after you're going to have to listen to over the next few weeks, but I just, uh, we, we got so much from it and we're just so grateful for the opportunity to be there. We learned so much and want to pass that on to you all as well. As I shared last week, we prayed that there would be a domino effect, uh, in a sense from us getting to, to experience that last, last week. And so, um, so I want to do that today. Uh, I shared with you last week that, um, you know, how grateful we were to our generosity team, uh, for, for sending us on this trip. Uh, Keep in mind, this is this is not uh, this was completely covered by by the members of of that team. This wasn't from the dollar club or from the budget or anything like that. This was a gift that that they gave to us, and so we wanted to get a gift uh, for them. And so uh, last week I had breakfast with Will Shelton, who's the the leader of that team, and I showed him this this little cross and I told him about it and that we wanted to give this to the generosity team, and we're going to put it up here on the on the front of the altar. Uh, just as a, a little reminder, and uh, I told him the story of of why this is this particular cross is is so special, and uh, the reason why it's so special was because we learned about when Abby and I were there in Colorado, we learned about this particular kind of pottery called raku pottery. I don't know if you've heard of that before. Maybe you have. I'd never heard of it, but it's everywhere in Colorado. There's all kinds of things uh, made from this particular kind of pottery and it's this unique it's called raku because it's this particular process that that they put the the material through when they're making it and um, I thought it was really interesting and I wanted to share it with you today see like other types of pottery the the first phase of raku pottery is is the same they take the clay the the potter takes the clay and shapes it and forms it and 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 places it inside the fire or or the kiln as they say in the pottery business and uh, so so they put it in there and, and, it, and it's uh, and, and that's usually where in some forms of pottery it stops but but raku is different it goes through another process once they take it out of the fire then they put it into another container while it's still you know red hot from from the the original fire they put it in this other container and this other container is full of of basically scraps, leftovers, sawdust, even trash. Uh, and they place it inside of this container and the heat from the fire mixed with all this other material creates this unique uh, finish that makes that makes raku pottery unlike any other pottery. It's got this, if you can see it, there's this unique pattern and, and shine and finish to it that looks different than anything else. It's it's beautiful, and it's beautiful because it goes through this process, and the potter uses everything, uh, the, the, even things that look like trash or things that might be throwaways, scraps, leftovers, to make something beautiful. And I bet you know what I thought when I heard that. That'll preach. That's right. I hope y'all don't get tired of me saying that, but... Um, I think it's actually important, and that, that's, that's a message in and of itself. I think it's important for us to pay attention to those places in life where God gives us a powerful image, something that we can, you know, burn into our hearts and minds to be reminded of some of these timeless truths of our faith. And so for me, this cross and, and that process was that for, for me and for Abby while we were on the trip 
last week. It was a reminder of this process that we go through in our lives, right? And it reminds us of God's presence and provision and power in our lives. Another thing I love to say is that God is with us and God is for us and God is working in and through and around us and sometimes even in spite of us for our good and for his glory, which is our greatest good. And so uh, so keep that image of the cross and the, the pottery in your mind as we as we go through our lesson today. Today's week four of this series that we've been doing called The Domino Effect. And, and basically the idea behind this series is that um, that God can take a little and do a lot, right? That we've been we've been looking at how specifically in the New Testament the the gospel uh, transform not only people's lives, but people's relationships and families and, and communities and churches. And, and the gospel changed the world, and it's still changing the world today. The dominoes are still falling. The domino effect is still taking effect. That's why we're here today. And so we've been looking at the domino effect from different angles and different views over the last few weeks. A couple of weeks ago, we looked at what I would call the, the positive view of the domino effect, how how even something small that's good uh, can 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 have a big impact in a positive way. We talked about the negative view of the domino effect, how something uh, not so good that's small can have a, a big effect in a negative way. And so today, as we continue this progression, uh, what I'd like to talk about today and what I'd like for us to look at today is what I call the long view of the domino effect. And basically what I mean by that is how God uses it all, the good, the bad, and the ugly, to bring about his good purposes in the world in and through the domino effect of our lives. And, and the thing about it is that we're all at different places with that, right? Uh, some of us are, are at a place where we can look back and we can see that domino effect. Uh, but some of us are right in the middle of the fire right now, right? And we can't see it. Uh, we may not be able to see it in, until much later. Um, but what I hope and pray that you'll be reminded of today is that in the midst of all of this, God is with you and for you and working in and through and around you for good. God uses it all as only God can do. And, and you don't just have to take my word for it. God's word is full of places that, that bear witness to this truth, specifically in in some of the Apostle Paul's letters to the churches in the New Testament. And keep in mind that Paul is writing these letters to people in, in churches that are, that are going through the fire, right? They're, they're experiencing persecution and, and suffering and affliction and, and pain. And so, so Paul's reminding them of this truth that we're talking about today. So, so with that in mind, keep that image uh, in mind of, of the cross and, and, and the potter and the clay as you as you hear some of these references in Paul's letters. Uh, this is God's word for us today. First, Paul, in his letter to the Ephesians, says this. He says, for we are God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good works that he planned for us long ago. In his letter to the Romans, Paul says, that's why we can be so sure that every detail of our lives of love for God is worked into something good. His letter to the Philippians, he says, being confident of this, that he who began the good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. 
And then finally, we come to our book, the letter uh, to the Colossians. And we're going to dig into a, a bigger chunk of scripture this morning that I think bears witness to this truth. So I want you to hear this, God's word for us today. Paul, Paul's letter to the Colossians at the end of chapter one, he says this. Now, I rejoice in what I'm suffering for you. And I fill up in my flesh what's still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. So Paul's writing these letters to communicate to God's people the word of God in its fullness. And he begins with this personal example of how he's encouraging the Colossians to see their lives and the world around them. This is actually a, a main one of the main themes of the New Testament in Paul's letters, he's basically saying we can rejoice even in the midst of our suffering, regardless of our circumstances, what's going on in our lives. We can rejoice because we know we have a perspective that's different than anyone or anything else. We truly believe that God is using it all for his good purposes in the world. See, people are seeing the domino effect of lives being changed by the gospel. Um, and it was full of the, the good, the bad, and the ugly. This is part of what Paul describes in the verses that follow as the glorious, <clears throat> excuse me, the glorious riches of, of God's mystery. He says, the mystery that's been kept hidden for ages and generations, but it's now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you. The hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. He's the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. The mystery that's been revealed to God's people is Christ. How, how his life and death and resurrection was used by God to bring glory to God and to bring salvation to all people who would respond to the gospel. And the mystery that, that was continuing to be revealed is how God is using the lives of everyday people like you and me to do the same thing, to bring glory to God and to bring salvation to God's people. This is, this is what Paul's little phrase means. Christ in you, the hope of glory. See, Paul's goal in life and ministry was to proclaim, not just to proclaim Christ, but to proclaim Christ in you, the hope of glory. And, and we've talked about this before, the you, when Paul says you in the New Testament, he's not just referring to you as individuals, he's referring to you as in, as we say in the South, right? Y'all, right? All of us. Verse 28, he says, he is the one we proclaim admonishing and teaching everyone, which is all y'all, everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. So he said, this is the process that we're going through as individuals and as a body, this process of, of going on towards maturity in Christ, allowing God to shape us and form us into who God has created us to be. The mystery of God is revealed, not just in our lives, but in our life together in Christ. He said, this is, 
why Christ chose to suffer and die. This is why Paul is choosing to suffer. This is why he's encouraging God's people to stand firm in their faith, even in their suffering. He's saying it's not always easy. In fact, most of the time, it's pretty hard. See, one of the misconceptions sometimes is that we think that when we, we say yes to, to Jesus and we start walking in faith, and that means everything just is, is easy and, and everything falls into place, right? We know that nothing could be further from the truth, that life is still hard. Jesus said, in this world, you'll still have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome the world, right? So it's not that it makes life easy. It's just that God's presence makes life have meaning and purpose and value because we know that we're not alone. He's saying this world can can feel like a, a fiery furnace and we're all a work in progress, but I promise it's worth it because God's going to use it all for his glory and for our good. This is the mystery that's being revealed. Christ in you, the hope of glory. God has a plan and a purpose for all the particulars of our lives. God may not have caused it, but God can use it. And when we place our lives in God's hands, he can create something beautiful, even out of something that's broken. Even if it feels like the circumstances that we're in, that like we're being thrown into the fire. God can use it. And so Paul finishes this conversation with the Colossians like this. He says, I want you to know how hard I'm contending for you and for those in Laodicea and for all who've not met me personally. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom all in whom are hidden all the mysteries, the, the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So Paul's building up their faith. He's encouraging them to stand firm. He wants them to understand this mystery so that their hearts can be encouraged, so that they might be united in faith, so that this domino effect that's been started in their lives and in their communities would continue to grow, that they might experience the full riches of all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge that are hidden in Christ. These people who, who were on fire with the love of God, but, but who were in the fire because of their faith, and there were people who were seeking to use this opposition, this difficulty that they were experiencing to bring division and confusion into the people of God. And so Paul's addressing this as well. He says, I tell you this so that no one will deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. Though I'm absent from the body and I'm present with you in spirit, I delight to see how disciplined you are, how firm you are in the faith in Christ. This is, this is important too because I think sometimes, and maybe you can relate to this, sometimes when we're in the fire, when we're in the fire, it's easy for us to be tempted or distracted. It's easy for us to be deceived by, by fine-sounding arguments that might be well-intentioned, but they don't have anything to do with God's intention in and through our lives. Does that make sense? Have you experienced that before when you've been in the fire? You may have heard things like, well, everything happens for a reason. Or this is just God's will. Or this is not God's will simply because it's, it's hard. Or maybe there's the other side of the coin. Maybe you've heard, well, well there is no God. Or, or where is God? Or why would God allow this 
to happen. And, and you know, the truth is, there are so many things in life that, that I think fall under the category of Paul's phrase, the mystery of God, to use it in a different way, right? Some of the things that we don't understand, we'll never understand. And I don't know about you, but I'm making a list for when I get to heaven. <laughs> but I think one of the things that, from this passage, that gives me comfort is that the mystery of God is revealed in Christ. And, and here's what I think that means. I think it means that we may not have all the answers this side of heaven, but we have a choice, and the choice is we can either allow those questions to separate us from God or we can allow them to draw us closer to God. And what, what Paul is teaching them and us is that in Christ, the answers aren't necessarily given, but the mystery is being revealed. And here's what I mean by that. In Christ, we don't necessarily find the answers to all the questions, right? We don't find an answer to that age-old question of why does God allow bad things to happen? But in Christ, I do believe that we find an answer to what I think is a better question. And that's this. What can God do with bad things that happen? And where is God in the midst of it? Christ answers the question. God is with us. God is with us in the fire. God is with us in whatever situation or circumstance that we're dealing with. And in Christ, we discover that God can take something as awful as the affliction and suffering and death of his one and only son and create, create something beautiful, resurrection, new life, abundant and eternal in Christ. The mystery that's been revealed in and through Christ is that God has won victory over sin and death forever. That changes our perspective on everything. In Christ, we discover that God can take something as awful as, as my brokenness, my sinfulness, all of my hurts and habits and hang-ups. God can use it to create something beautiful, and that something beautiful is, is, is our new life in Christ. As in our life together as, as the church. You see this beautiful image will always serve as a reminder to me that God uses it all. And we can trust Him. And I hope it'll be that for you as well. You know, as imperfect and inconsistent and as conflicting and confusing as, as it all is, Somehow God takes it all. Somehow God takes us all and transforms the world around us. He uses us to do this. He's been doing it for a thousand years and, and he's still doing it today. I don't know about you, but when I look at my life and when I look at the church, not just our church, but the church, when I look at it all, it still remains a mystery to me <laughs> how God does it. But, but it's a beautiful mystery. And what I've learned is that I don't understand it, but I don't have to. I just have to trust it. I just have to trust him and allow him to do his work in and through me. That's when we see this domino effect start to happen. We talked about how sin takes those small bad things and over time it turns them into bigger, badder things. 
We've talked about how God can take those small good things and turn them, turn them into even greater, gooder things. But I think the message for us today, the, the message that I hope you hear today, is that God can take all things and turn them into beautiful things if we'll allow him to do his work in and through us. He is the potter. We are the clay. God can take our mess and turn it into a masterpiece because he's the master and Christ is our Messiah. And so it's good news even in the midst of the bad news. It's good news in the midst of all the things that we experience in our lives. The domino effect comes from believing and seeing our life and the world around us from a different perspective. The domino effect. Think about the domino effect that comes from believing that your life has meaning and purpose and worth. That, that, that you're God's masterpiece created for good works and that, that God is not finished with you yet. But, but God has promised that the work that he's begun, he, won't, he will carry out to completion. And that sometimes we have to experience the, the kiln of difficulties for God to do all the work that God wants to do in us. When I, when I look at my life and I look at the world from that perspective, then, then I know I don't have to fear the fiery furnaces that come my way. Like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the Old Testament, right? We can, we can face them and we can stand firm in them because we know we're not alone. We know that God is with us and God is for us and that, that what God has started, he's going to finish. And so we don't give up. We we give it to him. Amen. I want to leave you with just this one last thing today. I don't know where you are in this process. You may be, you may feel like you're in the middle of the fire right now. You may feel like pain and suffering and affliction are your closest companions. You might be looking around and all you see is scraps and leftovers of the life that you once had or the life that you always wanted. Wherever you are today, I just simply want to remind you that you are not alone, that God is with you in the fire. You need to know that, that God will never leave you or forsake you. And one more time, God will use it all, the good, the bad, and the ugly, for your good and for his glory. What God has begun, the good work in you, God will carry it out to completion. And God will use your life to create a domino effect. You'll be able to look back one day, I believe this, and see God's hand. Whether it was feast or famine, whether you were on fire or in the fire, whether it was good or bad or ugly or otherwise, not only was God faithful to you, but God is going to be faithful to you. And God is going to be faithful to others through you. That's the other thing. You know, once, once these hidden treasures of wisdom and knowledge are revealed and we respond in faith and we allow God to, to, to work in our lives and our experiences, we, we become a treasure trove of, of wisdom and knowledge that others can glean from. Paul talks about this in in Corinthians, where he talks about treasure hidden in jars of clay. That's us. But God's going to use our experiences, not only to strengthen our faith, but, 
but to minister to others who might be in similar situations or experiences. So just know that today, that God's not finished with you, but but the finished product might just be a, a gift of blessing to someone else, a reminder of God's faithfulness and love. So my encouragement to you today is to take the long view of the domino effect and to trust that God is working in your life, even if you can't see it and even if you can't feel it. He's not finished with you yet. And the prayer I want to pray for you is the prayer that Paul prayed in the passage. I pray that you might be encouraged in heart and united in love so that you may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that you may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. God, I thank you that you are with us. I thank you that you are working in our lives and you're working through our lives and even in the midst of all the, the brokenness and, and fallenness and decay that we see around us, God, we, we trust and we believe that what your word says, that you're making all things new. So Lord, even when we can't see it and even when we can't feel it, help us to believe it. Help us to trust in you and know that you are faithful and that you are good and that you have begun this good work and you will carry it out to completion. And Lord, when we forget, I pray that you would help us to be reminders to one another of your presence and provision and power. God, we love you, we thank you, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing one more song, and as we do, the altars are going to be open today. If you'd like to come and pray, if you want somebody to pray with you, I'd love to pray with you. But if you just want to come by yourself or you want to come with somebody else and pray, uh, you're more than welcome to do that. Uh, if you've got any questions about a relationship with Christ or this church, I'd love to talk to you. Uh, you may just want to stay in your seat and listen to these words or sing this song. But uh, however you want to use this time with the last few minutes we've got together this morning, just allow God to speak to your heart and respond this morning. Let's stand.